Listeners, we have a surprise for you today, assuming that you are not a fan of reading episode titles. If you are a fan of reading episode titles, then you probably know that we're going to be discussing a Free Folk 40-point list today featuring Rattleshirt the Lord of Bones. We're going to get right into it because we've got quite a bit to cover, but before we do, we of course have to give a shout-out to our eternal sponsor and provider for the funding for this podcast, Totino's Pizza Rolls, including their new cheesy taco flavor, because... Totino's could not be satisfied with just ruining pizza. They also don't listen to this podcast in the slightest, so, you know, I will just say what I want on there. Please do not endorse or support this product. Alright, moving forward, we're going to just jump right in with talking about the list. So this is going to be featuring Rattleshirt from the upcoming Free Folk Hero Box 1. Now, he has a very interesting mechanic when it comes to his tactics cards. And basically, as you are destroying enemy ranks, you're going to equip his cards to your units, and they're going to get cool new effects. So this is going to synergize really well with um, making it so your guys are going to get stronger as the game goes on. And that is going to be kind of a unique flavor to a lot of the free folk, because they tend to just be an army that's going to throw units at... Uh, their target until they're dead, and not really have a big regard for their own, you know, guys. That is still true, don't get me wrong on this. Um, but in here, you're actually going to start caring about your units a little more than you probably would in the standard Free Folk list. So, we're actually going to be talking about this list in a bit of a reverse order into how we normally dive into this, because the Free Folk do not function like a lot of other armies. Now, the one aspect I'm going to start by talking about is the fact that we have a single non-combat unit in this list, and that is Styre, the Iron-Fisted Tyrant, also another character appearing in uh, Free Folk Hero Box 1. You know, since that's just the thing that's going to be released, I'm going to stop mentioning that. If it's a new character that you haven't heard about, assume it's from the Hero Box and not the Starter Box. All right? So the reason we are running a single NCU here, I have explained in the general overview for the Free Folk, is that I really don't care about any specific unit in the list. And while that is not as true here as it would be in like a traditional raider spam list, it's still pretty true. And the thing about this is that I would rather have more battlefield dominance through just having extra units than I really feel I'm going to gain from giving an extra unit a melee attack action or a extra maneuver or healing it a bit. You know, these are all great effects for the tactic zone. And yeah, I could be running two NCUs or plus to block my opponents, but frankly, I don't really care that much. Here, I just want to drown them in bodies, utilize my tactics cards to benefit that, and then utilize all my cool effects. So I would much rather have extra bodies on the table to camp around objectives and still leave me additional units to actually go after the enemy, because the majority of the Free Folk tactics cards are going to benefit me from ganging up, and that's kind of going to be a fundamental thing when you're building the list. So I've mentioned this before, I've gone in really uh, deep depth about it, but I feel that people are married to, I've got to have at least two or three NCUs, and that's really going to be army reliance. I mean, there are going to be some free folk lists coming out in the future at some point that you're probably not going to even want to run any NCUs with because it's just not really going to jive too much with what you're doing. But in this specific list, I'm running one NCU, there was a toss-up here about which one I specifically wanted to run. Um, I picked Styre because I like giving the extra uh, damage output that he's going to throw out because we are running still four units of Raiders. And, you know, giving that little extra hit is going to be nice. But the Bone Lords Chosen and the Followers of Bone have a high damage output, so Styre is just going to naturally synergize with them. Now, the negative to him is that when his influence effect ends... 
the unit is going to suffer D3 automatic hits. The thing about this list, compared to a lot of other free folk lists, is that it actually contains a tremendous amount of healing and restorative capabilities. So you're not really going to worry too much about suffering those D3 automatic hits. And frankly, in the end of the day, it's going to be between one and three hits. Yeah, your armor sucks. Yeah, you're probably going to lose some guys, but it's not really going to affect you that much. You've got tons of ways to mitigate those wounds and you know, the whole thing here is that basically becomes a race. You need to not care about your unit's survivability so much as it is killing prime targets across the battlefield. So that's really the focus here is that you just need to kill the enemy before they kill you. I know that's the standard in most every single game, but you're going to have other armies that are going to play to it more for like the long game. Whereas with this free folk list here, you're going to want to get the alpha strike in. You're going to want to deal your damage. And basically everything in your army is built around hurting your opponent in some fashion. That's kind of the mindset with the units that are going to fall into this army, which I guess we can go ahead and talk about now, and really how that's going to play things up. So the list for this is going to be Stire, Iron Fisted Tyrant coming at three points as an NCU. And then for our combat units, we have the following. We have the Bone Lord's Chosen, which is a named Followers of Bone unit that is led by Rattleshirt the Lord of Bones. We have two Followers of Bone units uh, with a Champion of Bone in each. I'm going to get really tired of saying bone by the end of this podcast. Um, one unit of Free Folk Raiders containing the Weeper, Cruel Tyrant, and then three naked units of Free Folk Raiders. By the way, please do not modify or sculpt those as being nude. They will not last in the uh, in the north like that. And I'm actually, sorry, one minor correction there. One of those Raiders uh, raid units actually does have a raid leader inside of it. Okay. So we have a total of seven combat units in this list, uh, one non-combat activation, giving us a total of eight activations, which uh, is actually low as far as the spectrum of potential activations in a Free Folk army goes, but still going to put you on average above most other armies. So let's get into the deep dive for the individual units and talk about why they're in the army and exactly you know how they're gonna synergize with the strategy. So as I said, Every single unit in this army is about maximizing the amount of damage you can deal to the opponent uh, before they kill you. So everything that you are doing should be pushing toward gradually killing a unit, chipping away at it, making sure that it is going to die regardless of what it does. The Followers of Bone do this by having a decent attack profile at a 3 plus to hit, going from 8 dice to 5 dice to 3 dice, and then also having Horrific Visage which is each time an enemy targets this unit with a melee attack, that enemy suffers a panic test before resolving the attack. This is going to play into our general strategy of we have a good attack profile, throwing 8 dice to the 3+, potentially throwing Styre on a unit, so we're going to deal an additional D3 automatic wounds when we attack as well. And then when the enemy turns around to come and counterattack us, they're going to suffer a panic test as well, which can potentially add to some defensive nature to the army, because they can lose ranks before they actually get to you know, come at us. So if that panic test reduces them down to their second rank or their last rank, then the initial blowback is not going to be as bad as it could be. So that's kind of a hidden little layer of defense that we have. In addition to that, however, each of these units is uh, equipped with a champion of bone, which has the prey on fear ability. This ability states that each time an enemy engages with this unit fails a panic test, this unit may restore up to two wounds. So let's look at some quick math right here. This is when I attack, the opponent is going to suffer a panic test as part of that attack. If they fail, I get to restore two wounds. Anytime they attack me, they're going to make a panic test. If they fail that, I get to restore two wounds. So this is just off of two activations with the opponent coming at me and then me attacking. I have the potential to mitigate up to four wounds that were dealt to me 
previously in the fight. Obviously, I can't heal if I'm full. So that's a little bit of a hidden mechanic here that you're going to see on the tabletop, but is not maybe so apparent when you're coming to building your list. Getting back potentially four wounds off of things that are going to happen in the game anyway, aka you attacking a unit that you're engaged with and then them attacking you, um, that's restoring a full rank. That's effectively negating four, uh, four wounds that the opponent is coming at you with. If you look at, say, an average attack profile, let's say they have eight dice hitting on fours. So that's going to be eight dice hitting on fours. That's going to generate four wounds. Uh, your armor is not the best. You have a five, so you're going to pass on average one of those, which means that you're going to suffer about two to three wounds, 2.5, however you want to do that. Your morale is a seven, which regardless of what the internet or anyone would like you to think, the average uh, roll on 2d6 is seven. So you usually should be passing. Uh, maybe taking one or two wounds on top of that because, you know, the strictly your averages are going to, you know, come out there and whatnot. But either way, that Champion of Bone alone has the chance to mitigate most of the damage a unit should be taking from just the standard play through the round. Now, obviously, this is not factoring in things like extra attacks from the combat zone, extra attacks, or dice thrown from tactics, cards, abilities, orders. You know, there's too many of those variables to keep track of that you know, you're going to have to, in real time, factor in when you're on the tabletop, okay? I can't give you some magical solution here that's going to be like, you're going to win every game if you do this, because that just doesn't exist. But so that's the important thing to remember with the followers of Bonians that you have here, is that they're all about just dealing as much damage as they can, but we've stuck the attachments in here specifically to give them some staying power, because we do want them to stick around, and they are our primary source of damage that we have. They're going to be enhanced by tactics cards, which we'll get into in a bit. Our expensive unit that we have is the Bone Lord's Chosen. So what do these guys have over a standard um, Followers of Bone unit? They are two points more expensive. What are you getting for those two points? Uh, you are getting Prey on Fear built into the unit, which usually would cost one point from the attachment. In addition to that, these guys have a slightly more enhanced attack profile, throwing six dice at their second rank and four dice at their last rank, instead of five and three. But really, what you're paying for here is the extra plus one defense, bringing it into a four plus, which is phenomenal for free folk, and a six plus morale, which is almost unheard of for free folk. So you're getting that little extra bit of staying power for the equivalent of roughly one point extra over the other units that we have. Now, Rattleshirt himself, the Lord of Bones, is going into this unit. He has the first claim effect, which uh, is going to synergize very well with his tactics cards. As I said before, what they do is that when you start destroying enemy ranks, you're going to be able to equip them to units, and they're going to get extra abilities. So with Rattleshirt here, he's got the order first claim. After a friendly combat unit completes a melee attack, if it destroyed an enemy rank. If Rattleshirt's unit is within short range of that enemy, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one Rattleshirt tactics card and attach it to this unit, then shuffle your tactics deck. Okay, so I'm going to get into this more when we talk about the tactics cards, but his cards specifically are when a unit destroys a rank, they can equip the card, gain a buff. I think I've said that like three times now. Uh, his first claim order allows him to effectively steal that buff from a, another unit that triggered it and equip it to his own unit. So you can really turbocharge his own unit and give them, make them really scary because there's three different abilities that he can give throughout his tactics cards that are going to benefit you. This is also going to allow you to cycle your deck uh, to get those cards um, if you don't have them in your hand already. So say one of your followers of bone units or your free folk raiders go and attack unit, destroy rank, but you're like, damn, I don't have the card I need at this time to you know trigger that. Well, Rattleshirt, if he's within short range, can go and fish it out and, you know, um, 
just plop it down at his own unit. So that's a really uh, nice little effect there to really turbocharge his unit up. The Bone Lord's chosen unit specifically can get really nasty when they start stacking those effects on there. So for one extra, for effectively one extra point over the other followers of Bone units that we're running, that's a fantastic deal of getting effectively plus one defense, plus one morale, and the plus one attack dice across your ranks. All right, the other part of this list is uh, a Free Folk Raider unit that has the Weeper, Cruel Tyrant, attached to them. So this unit here will hopefully never see combat or be put into a dangerous situation unless they have to be. And the reason for that is because the Weeper is basically going to sit in the back behind your main ranks and just start throwing out his order Horrific Reputation which is when the enemy unit within long range would pass a panic test, you may force that unit to reroll any dice for that test. Effectively, this guy is a walking panic token that you can utilize once per round. Noting that, again, our followers of Bone are triggering a horrific visage anytime they're attacked, and then causing a panic test anytime they attack. So, I know that people would go... Alright, this guy would really be better suited in a unit of trappers if I'm just going to sit him in the back, and I agree with that. It's just that the way the points broke out, it was better for me to spam some more raiders in here. There's a variant list that I can cut down the activations by two, add in some trappers, change some things around, but it changes the general playstyle here. I really feel that the four raiders are going to uh, help me synergize a little bit better and really trigger some of the Free Folk Tactics cards. So, the, the Weeper... Uh, he is kind of like the center point of the army. I know we have Rattleshirt there acting as like the big boss commander, but the actual trick of this army is you have the Weeper in the core of your kind of Death Star bubble here of guys who are going to go and rip the flesh off their enemies. The, the thing is, he is also protecting his unit from most other effects that would be able to take them off the battlefield while not being directly engaged. So a lot of uh, tactics you would have is like, oh, that unit's going to get you know targeted by the crown or crown zapped. You know, I'm going to have other effects that's going to take them down. But luckily, the Weeper also comes with order at any cost. If this unit would fail a panic test, you can kill one model unit to automatically pass the test instead. So this means that they're effectively immune to getting crown zapped because you can use that on them if they want. But you're going to lose one guy. And the whole point of this unit is just to sit around, act as a bunker for the Weeper, and just let him do his thing of horrific reputation, throwing out those, um, basically giving you a free panic token every single turn when you need it on a unit that you need it, so you don't even have to assign it. And that's his uh, purpose. So he should be in your back ranks, just chilling out behind your guys, um, and charging when he can if you need it. But frankly, I usually kind of turtle him up and put him in a position where he's not really going to see combat. I then have another unit of Free Folk Raiders with a Raid Leader in here. And you can really kind of spice that unit with your attachment of choice. I like the Raid Leader for throwing in the extra activation to allow two units to you know, charge in and trigger some more of my tactics cards. But you could do other options there as well, such as a Cave Dweller Alpha to cause a unit that you charge to become panicked. That's going to synergize very well if you have you know, uh, followers of Bone uh, already engaged with them or they're going to follow up the charge. But either way, I like the utility of having just one raid leader kind of you know, sitting around the army because it can lead to some unexpected situations for the opponent if you capitalize on it. I don't think spamming raid leaders is something to really do, but having a couple just for those power plays is really nice. Finally, we have two units of just vanilla Free Folk Raiders in the list, and that's just to give us extra bodies. 
Uh, they've got, you know, their standard gang up ability where you get plus one to hit, which brings them to a three plus. They're still not throwing the most dice. They've got absolutely garbage defense stats, but they are insignificant. So you can use them to camp objectives. You can use them to just kind of act as meat shields for guys. You know, they're there to be insignificant cheap raiders. If you're playing free folk, you understand how these guys work. More importantly, though, they're there to help you uh, trigger some of your tactics cards, which we're going to talk about now and how they're going to synergize with the rest of the army. So we have the generic Free Folk Tactics cards, uh, such as Group Assault. Uh, when a friendly unit makes a melee attack, if they have another unit engaged with the enemy, you're getting Critical Blow and Sundering. This is going to be one of the primary ways that you're going to increase the damage that you deal, because Free Folk innately don't have a lot of uh, weapon abilities throughout their guys. And here in this army, you'll see you actually have basically none. This is going to give you Sundering and Critical Blow to help you punch through some thicker armor, in addition to hitting guys on the flanks. So positioning is going to be important for the Free Folk army as well. But the good thing about this is that you're not terribly reliant on punching through armor because most guys, or sorry, defense, most guys who have a really good defense are going to have just kind of average morale, and you're going to be able to hit them on that part here of this army as well. So you're going to have an answer to indirectly hurt units, like say you're up against Bolton Flademen, they're going to be a problem, but they're a 10-point army. Here you actually do have the uh, methods of dealing with them in the form of your panic test, and the auto wounds that like Steyr can you know, create up. But frankly, my general advice for playing against Flademen Get them bogged down in combat and just kind of keep them there. I mean, if you've got to throw bodies at them to keep them there, sure, because they're a ten-point unit. I mean, it's it's takes a lot of uh, takes a lot of effort for them to recoup those points, especially when they're against free folk. Next card we have is there's too many. Uh, when an enemy combat unit activates, if there are two more enemies engaged, they suffer a panic test with minus two to their roll. I really like this card in this army because it's going to trigger your prey on fear ability and potentially heal your units even more. This is actually one of my top cards. Uh, to kind of fish for or really power play ones that I feel really synergizes well with this commander in this army. Distraction tactics. When an enemy unit makes a melee attack, that unit suffers minus one to hit for each enemy engaged them beyond the first. Generically useful. Uh, this is going to help keep your guys alive. And again, you have a surprisingly large number of healing uh, capabilities in this army. So damage mitigation and healing are actually going to make your guys a little more resilient than their baseline stats would lead on. So... You know, good there. Swift advance, uh, infantry unit, make maybe free maneuver action. Generically useful, not going to talk about that too much because it's just good. All right, surrounded and exposed. Start of any turn, target one enemy unit. If you have two or more friendly units within short range, that enemy loses all abilities. So, again, we are getting back to the fact that this army has a number of uh, ways to mitigate enemy effects that can heal itself up, uh, that can actually have some sustain about it. This one here is actually neat. If you control the maneuver zone, the enemy also gains one condition token of your choice. Obviously, in this case, it's usually going to be a panic token because you really want to hammer them with those uh, panic tests, with those panic effects, because they're going to help you heal your units up. Going back to talking about NCUs, by the way, another option you can have here is if you want to drop the raid leader, you can drop him out, replace Steyr with Mance Raider. Mance Raider is another good NCU option in this list because when he influences a unit, they can gain a condition token, which is usually going to be a panic token, and then you can start cycling and negating their abilities via his influence effects that he has. I should have mentioned that back when I was talking about the NCUs, but I, uh, let's just go ahead and throw that in here. So that's another variable that you can do here as well. The Endless Horde. When you claim a tactic zone, replace that zone's effect with redeploy one previously destroyed friendly free folk infantry unit into a friendly deployment zone. Attachments are not returned. Place them with the normal infantry model. Replace them with a normal infantry model. 
So this is why you don't really mind so much if your followers of Bone or whatever inevitably get destroyed because you can just bring them back into play. This is one of the linchpin cards for the free folk lists that are running some, let's say, air quotes, elite units, such as the followers of Bone. Because you get these really cool six-point units back on the table. This is effectively going to give you upwards of 12 points added to your army throughout the course of the game because you really don't want to waste this card on something like free folk raiders or something like that but luckily we're running a number of cool units in here that we can bring back i also want to point out this does not have a stipulation that says the unit cannot be a character unit or anything so the bone lord is chosen hey guess what those guys are free game to bring right back so there you go there's more points for your investment here regroup and reform uh, when a friendly infantry unit activates, remove up to four bottles total from other friendly infantry units within long range and restore that many wounds to this unit. If you control maneuver, restore up to two additional wounds. This one here is nice in specific synergy with that bunker unit that I was talking about, uh, the one that contains the Weeper, because I really want to keep him out of combat, but he still needs to serve a purpose. So in this case right here, he's also a good target for regroup and reform because I can start sucking wounds out of that unit and restoring them to my frontline guys who should actually be seeing combat and actually making them more effective. Plus, I'm stealing wounds from a three-point raider unit and sticking them back onto my followers of Bone or my Bone Lord's Chosen. That's really going to, you know, just I'm getting more bang for my buck there. And again, if I control the maneuver zone, I'm restoring additional wounds. Uh, you know, I said I was going to be saying the word bone a lot in this uh, podcast, but I think I've used the phrase restore wounds more than anything else. But you should be seeing kind of a centralized theme for this army um, in that fact as well. So finally, we are coming to the Bone Lord's uh, specific um, tactics cards and why they're cool. I wanted to just talk about the generic ones and some synergies there. Let's jump into his specifics. First one we have is Jagged Trophies. After a friendly combat unit completes a melee attack, if it destroyed an enemy rank. That's, by the way, the trigger for all of his cards. So I'm just going to stop repeating that. That's just something to remember moving forward. Attach this card to that friendly combat unit. While attached, they gain the following ability. This is another rules thing I want to point out here. They're gaining this effect as an ability. So they have the Jagged Trophies ability. They have the Mark of Slaughter ability. They have the Gruesome Reminders ability. Why am I hammering this? Because it's a rule that people are going to need to remember that abilities of the same name do not stack. So you stick two Jagged Trophies on a unit. Congrats, you've wasted an effect because they can't gain it twice. All right? Core rules, page, I want to say 23 ability stacking. It uses Sundering as an example. But either way, something to note here. Fact, uh, abilities of the same name do not stack. All right. I have a feeling that's probably going to be FAQ'd just because it's going to come up. But hey, guys, just throwing that out there for you now. Back to the talk. All right. While attached, they gain the following ability. Each time this unit is attacked with melee, for each defense save roll of six, the attacker suffers one wound. All right, this is going to uh, tie into the everything you do should cause the opponent to have something negative happen to them. You have a, you're going to make their attacks on them. You're going to kill them via that way. But here, you've got jagged trophies on a unit, especially your followers of Bone. When they attack you, they're going to suffer a panic test. They're going to lose models. When they deal you actual damage for each roll, uh, defense roll of six, you're going to cause them additional wounds. It's not going to be a lot. It's not going to, you know, really like, oh my god, this is an insane amount of damage. But it is going to be a big morale hit. 
And because it is automatic wounds, it is also going to make you a really bad target for armies that are spamming a bunch of like solo units or monsters or things like that. So like direwolf spam list or the mountain that rides or anything else that might be expletive deleted coming out or whatever. Anything with just straight wounds. Oh, giants. It's another thing that this will hurt giants as well. Um, it's going to make you a really bad target for those. But frankly, again, it's about that little chip damage. His uh, tactics cards are not that hard to trigger because this is something you're going to be doing throughout the game anyway. So, you know, these are nice little bonus effects. And you can keep your unit healed up here and everything. You're going to, you know, be able to use it that much more. Next one we have is Mark of Slaughter. Guess what? Same trigger. Ability that you get. This unit's melee attacks roll plus two dice. Each time this unit makes a melee attack, after the attack has been completed, it may restore one wound. This is probably the best one if you're just going raw ham aggression here, because this is going to up your attack dice by two, bringing your followers of bone to having ten dice at their highest attack profile. But hey, guess what? We have more healing that we're going to throw onto the table here. So you're going to be healing off of causing a panic test in the enemy from your prey on fear. So you can potentially gain two from that. You have the ability to just auto gain a wound back after you make a melee attack, which now means every time you're making an attack action, you have the potential to heal back three wounds, almost an entire rank back to your unit. Okay. This is going to become a giant pain in the ass for your opponent to um, deal with when you get engaged in these combats. And this is actually going to give you some staying power in those prolonged engagements. But really what it's going to do is it's going to mitigate the raw number of casualties you're going to suffer just from getting hit over and over and having a 5 plus defense save and a you know 7 plus morale. But hey, you work with what you got. Either way. This is, again, encapsulating that whole ability of everything you do should punish the opponent. You're getting better in melee. You're going to restore your guys here. There you go. Last one, gruesome reminders. <laughs> and this is probably my favorite one just because of everything we've spoken about so far. This is going to grant you the ability, while engaged, uh, enemies suffer minus one to panic test for each destroyed rank in that enemy unit. I could have worded, said that a little bit better. Anyway, point is, whenever they take a panic test, they're going to suffer minus one for each of their destroyed ranks. So potentially a minus one or a minus two. Hey, guess what? We already spoke about how much this list really likes making panic tests. And here, you're going to be maximizing the amount that they have to take because every time they attack you, they're going to suffer one as well. So even if they're attacking you at you know one destroyed rank, here they're going to take an additional minus one to that test, potentially losing extra wounds, and then allowing you to just trigger up all your effects. This actually makes it so if you manage to get a few of these out on key units, taking the crown zone is not necessarily a bad effect that you would uh, for your unit. Uh, sorry, not for your unit to hit with the enemy, and it's not a bad use of you know your NCU. Obviously, since you're running one, you're going to be very precarious about which zone you're taking. But the crown zone becomes an option, and because a lot of other armies don't necessarily make the best use of the crown zone outside of Lannisters and the upcoming Baratheons, I'll go ahead and say that, um, you are going to, you know, it might be free reign for you. But you, meanwhile, can really make use of that, because if you claim that, you're going to give them a minus one from the zone, potentially additional minus one or two for a total of minus three to them based on how low they are. And if they fail, you're going to trigger your prey on fear ability again from your attachments and heal yourself back up. So lots of you know synergies in this list and kind of cool combos you can do. And that's actually one of the reasons why I like running this list a lot is because it has just a kind of crazy level of sustain that you're not going to see on paper until you do a little deep dive like I am here. Uh, on the tabletop, though, you have units that can just potentially never go away 
uh, unless your opponent is just really dedicated to trying to one-shot them. And then you just go the Endless Horde, and boom, they're back in play. So some variations on this list. Uh, things that you could potentially change out. You could change out uh, Styre and the uh, Raid Leader for Mance Raider. I'm a big fan of that option as well. That's just a personal preference on what you want to do. I, again, I kind of like the combat control that the Raid Leader gives a little bit more. But... You know, I it's just I don't know exactly which one I would end up picking. I would have to play this list some more and really get like kind of a tuned feel for it. So, you know, that's a personal option there to pick out. You could drop two of the free folk raider units that are the naked ones and add in another follower's bone unit. The thing though is that that's going to take you down to just kind of the standard number of activations that other armies have. And I really like outnumbering guys slightly, but that's not a bad list by any means. If you do that, I would take out the two raid uh, two raider units. I would take out the raid leader and add in a uh, third unit of followers of bone with a champion of bone. Now. Here's another option as well, because you're beginning to stack so much of that healing in here, another option you could do is have the Bone Lord's Chosen unit, another Followers of Bone with a Champion of Bone to give you some extra healing, and then your other two units of Followers of Bone, instead of a Champion of Bone, they get a Cave Dweller Alpha to give them uh, the ability to panic enemies when they charge in. So you would charge in, panic the enemy, Assuming that, you know, let's you can use that panic token for when they're making the morale test, or you can save it for when the opponent is coming back at you with that um, horrific visage ability. So that's giving you some additional options there. Um, really, I think that's going to cover it about for this list. And this uh, tactical talk has actually been going on pretty long here, so I don't want to sit here and just start speaking in cycles over and over again, so I'm going to leave you guys with that today. And let me know what type of list you guys would like to see discussed next time. And we can get into that. Until then, we've got lots of cool stuff to cover. Just speaking about the Free Folk, and we'll get into speaking uh, with some Night's Watch lists because we have the new Hero Box coming out soon as well. And then we'll be taking a look at some Lannister lists in upcoming episodes as well because we did just get a nice update for them and some of their units. So thank you guys for listening in. Join me next time. That's all for today. Take care. Have a good evening.